0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
2: Welcome back to The Fighter versus the Writer. I'm Damon Martin. He is Matt Brown, and we are presented today by WWE. Now, I'm just joking. Uh, Matt. as you as you prepare to tell everyone what the rock is cooking uh how's uh, how's everything going with you i think everyone knows the news of the day we'll get into that in a little bit but uh but how's everything with you
1: training hard man so you know i was gonna say earlier like if i'm a little low energy today you know i apologize but i'm training hard man i'm putting it through the grind and uh i think i'm still trying to train like i'm 25 and <laughs> You know, I'm closer to 45 than I am 25. So it's just, <laughs> you know, it doesn't get any easier as you get older. So, you know, trying to be smarter about it, man, trying to prepare more properly and use all the knowledge that I've learned over these years to, uh, up, uh to, uh, I want to apply all this knowledge that I've learned over these years and not just <laughs> go in and say, Oh, fuck it. Let's just train hard as we can today. And let's crawl out of here and, that works great when you're 25 but when you're my age i've been through the I'm sorry i keep burping um <laughs> when you've been through the the grind like i have man it just doesn't work so well and uh yeah so feeling a little rough for today feeling the rigors of the battles that i was in and uh but other than that you know life is good man feeling great and you know I know that it's all gonna pay off when I smash this guy
2: absolutely coming up may 13th and of course i finally got a location charlotte north carolina we heard rumors of maybe nashville gonna be charlotte so it should be fun down there ufc hasn't been there a long time um so it should be a fun card and and you get a crowd which is the most important thing i think that's the thing we talked about like we just didn't want no one wanted another apex card so the fact that you get to fight in front of people uh which you did your last one that was in columbus here in columbus obviously that was a great crowd but uh nothing better than that especially you know i'm sure i'm quite sure you didn't want to go back to no crowd
1: Yeah, 100%. I feel like there's something about these Midwest crowds that are a little bit different, too. I mean, I know it's more East Coast, but, you know, just um, when you go to, like, Vegas and California, like, they got fights all the time. They're used to it. And, um, you know, people go there for vacations, different things. But these Midwest or even East Coast crowds are, like, they don't get fights all the time. You know, like, people in Charlotte don't get to go to a fight all the time. They have to make a special trip for it. So I think when it shows up at a place like that uh, or like Columbus, you know, last year, I mean, the crowds are just fanatical, man. And they're they're so excited. And um, I don't know. I think a lot of more of my fan base is kind of around those kind of areas too. So um, I'm stoked to have the crowd. And I think they're going to be on fire, man. I'm going to give them a, a show to remember.
2: I love it. I love it. There's a chance I'll be going down to that one as well. So, uh yeah it should be a fun time should be a good card it's a good card there's a lot of good fights in that card too like it's a really good card like i don't know like i know you're i know you're focused on your fight and that's all you're worried about but like overall like it's actually a really really solid card
1: yeah yeah i think uh definitely the main event Anthony smith and johnny walker who else is on the card
2: uh who else hold on see now you're putting me on the spot it's a good card uh you
1: know, Angela Hill,
2: and Mackenzie Dern. That's a good fight. That is a good. That is a good fight. That is absolutely a good fight. Uh, hold on, let me let me remember who else on here. Uh, t- 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 Let's see. I said it was a good card, and I can't remember who else on there. Uh, Jalton Almeida and Jarzinho uh, Rosenstrike. That's mm. a hell of a good oh, fight. Uh, oh, yeah. Ian Ian Gary against Daniel Rodriguez. That's a fun one. That's um, a real good. Yeah, film. Tim Means and Alex Morono. That's a fun fight. Oh. Uh, yeah. So yeah, pretty solid. D- Douglas uh, Silva De Andrade against Cody Staman. That's a pretty solid fight. So is uh, just a, Ian-
1: a lot of arm fights on that card, huh? Like like I, that Ian Gary, Daniel Rodriguez is probably the most other than the main event, it's probably the most meaningful in terms of rankings and in terms of uh you know, who's gonna move up, right?
2: Yeah, I but, mean that and, but, and uh, Almeida, J- Jonathan Almeida, Junior Rosenstrike's is pretty good too because Almeida seems like he's going to be a player at heavyweight, and Rosenstrike pretty pretty established heavyweight, so that's like a kind of a good measuring stick fight for Almeida because to me he looks like you know a future contender, but you know he hasn't faced the top guys yet, so uh, I think that's a really interesting as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, And like I said, just those are all just fun fights. I mean, even the the meaningful ones. Uh, uh, not that any of them are not meaningful. Every fight means a lot, but um, those are just fun fights, man. That That is a really, really fun card.
2: Yeah, I hope we get uh, the immortal co-main event. That's what I think it should be. I think you and Court should be co-main event, me personally, but that's maybe I'm a little biased, I admit, so.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard. I think uh, the listing that I see in hand me is the co-main event, but I, I know it doesn't always work out that way, but. You know, I'm I'm gonna show up and fight no matter what time it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Matt, we're obviously gonna talk about UFC 287 today. That's coming up in a matter of days. Israel Adesanya taking on Alex Pereira in the main event and a rematch, and of course, Gilbert Burns taking on Jorge Masvidal in a very meaningful fight at Welterweight. Before we get to that, of course, I mentioned at the top of the show, kind of joking. The big news came out today that Endeavor, the owners of the UFC, have officially purchased WWE, and they are splitting off UFC and WWE into one company on their own. Uh, It's going to become a publicly traded company in about four to six months uh, it'll trade under the uh, symbol TKO on the uh, on the uh, stock exchange, and uh, basically, it's just getting spun off into its own company. But it's still going to be run by Ari Emanuel, Vince McMahon, Dana White, everyone there. Um, I think a lot of people are just you know, I think the main people know that this is more of a money deal than anything else. Two companies that have very similar trajectories and very similar business models with fighters and pro wrestlers and uh two very outspoken leaders and vince mcmahon and dana white but i, I think people are kind of getting lost in the details like i joked on on twitter i said i don't think anyone's gonna get hit with a chair shot this weekend at ufc 287 i know you're not a big pro wrestling guy matt but i obviously again this is you know this is your world this is ufc so uh what did you make when you saw the news To
1: be fair i do enjoy pro wrestling actually my Funny enough, my seven year old daughter freaking loves pro wrestling. <laughs> like so <laughs> sometimes I just put it on and she just gets a kick out of it, you know. So I kind of started getting into it a little bit uh, just for that. But um I've never naturally been a fan, but um I mean, I don't really see any reason to care one way or another about this whole deal. I mean, it's it's cool, I guess. I mean, it makes cool news and I'm sure there'll be some things to come of it, some things to talk about and some things to ponder about or whatever but like is it going to change my life in any way whatsoever you know is it going to make me more money is it going to get bigger cards like i don't know so i'm kind of like you know if like microsoft and apple team up together like should i care not really (laughs) you know so like wwe and ufc team up like does it really matter i don't know
2: yeah, I think like in in terms of the UFC, I think this is what people are getting missed about this cuz I listen, I get it. You know, there's the fun jokes to make about like, you know, uh we're going to see uh you know, we're going to see people, you know, we're going to see Conor McGregor show up at WrestleMania and we're going to yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. It's fun to talk about. But the reality is the way this would affect you in a bigger way is if A, you know, the UFC sold to a different company and suddenly you got to worry about like, you know, how's the owner going to treat the UFC now versus Lorenzo and Frank Fertino versus Endeavor, whatever. Or if they bought out, like, let's say they bought out Bellator and you got an influx of all the fighters, then you got to start worrying about, like, are they going to cut roster? Are they going to, you know, what, who's going to stick around? Who's not going to stick around? All these kind of little things that you have to deal with. So there's that would be more impactful to you as a fighter, right? The the, the other side, just a normal, like, business side, they, it's not going to change anything. Like, the, the UFC is still going to exist As the UFC is a separate entity, they said today Dana White's still going to run the show. There's nothing changing there. Um, I wish... You know, knowing that they're now a twenty-one billion dollar company as they as they talked about, I wish that meant the fighters were gonna suddenly see a big influx of money. Uh sadly, I don't think that's the truth because you and I know when businesses merge like this, it's about making money, not about spending more money. So, you know, they can say twenty-one billion dollar company, but they want to keep it going to like a twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four billion dollar company and start suddenly paying the fighters double salary is not going to accomplish that so the reality is as much as we would like to sit here and you know pretend that it's going to suddenly change the world and your paycheck on may 13th is going to double that's sadly just not the case so as much as this is a this is a big deal it's a very big deal uh but in terms of like the day-to-day operation in terms of the things we're going to see or you're going to see as a fighter probably not that much difference if any difference honestly
1: yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So I, I'm just not sure uh, what there is to say about the whole deal, really. That I'm not again. It doesn't affect me in any way that I know of. If it does, then I'll have something to say about it then, right? Um, whatever that turns out happening. But um, you know, like, like you're saying, I, you know, I'm not one of these big uh, hate on the fighter pay guys. You know, obviously, I think we deserve more. I, I think if um, we we're in any job in the world, I would be saying the same thing that I deserve more. And, um, you know, and and again, that's its whole, you know, own discussion, right? Like, I don't really get too much into it, but, um, you know, the fact is that we don't see any of this changing. So, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, why would they ever pay the fighters more, right? Like if we, you know, if, if 20 of us or 100 of us would ever go on strike or, say we're not going to fight for this money or whatever, like there's 500 waiting in line yeah. that'll do it for half the price, if not quarter of the price that we would. So, you know, and, and the UFC is a marketing machine, man, they can market anybody. And, um, you know, and to be fair, I mean, they're very good at picking out the right guys to market and, um, and picking out the talent and building the talent. And, you know, they, they do a, a absolutely amazing job. If you ask me, um, but again, I, I just going back to full circle. I mean, I just don't see where this is going to affect me in any meaningful way whatsoever. So I'm kind of silent on the whole thing. No comment. Like what, you know, what am I supposed to say about it?
2: Yeah. It's kind of like, I wish, I wish there was a world where it was, it was going to be that where it was going to be like, the fighters are automatically going to make more money, but we all kind of know that's not the reality. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that's good. I wish it was, but, you know, you and I both know that's the case. And, uh, as we all know that, you know, ultimately WWE is scripted entertainment and it's fun. I enjoy it. I listen. I used to be a pro wrestler. I love pro wrestling, uh, grew up on pro wrestling, so I have no problem with it, but, uh, it's not fighting, it's not real. So, you know, it's just two separate worlds. Like, it's fun to talk about, right? Like, it's fun to joke, and, you know, you're going to hit someone with the people's elbow or some craziness like that. But that's just not the reality <laughs> of this. Now, here's a serious question, Matt. You're not a pro wrestling guy, but you said your daughter watches. So now I'm curious. Do you have a, a favorite pro wrestler? Do you know any, like, do you know any pro wrestlers?
1: Um. Well, back, I used to like The Undertaker the most. He was always my favorite. And then his brother, Kane. Was oh, yeah. that his brother, I think right? yeah this is brother uh, yeah so, so I went to one live show and Kane the Undertaker were there, there uh at Schottenstein Center here in Columbus and uh it, that was awesome I thought man uh but it, it's just too much to follow is the only thing that really the only reason I don't really follow it that much is too much to follow and my daughter's favorite wrestler I'm trying to remember her name it's the girl's champion the woman's champion.
2: Uh, there's a couple of those. Is it is it Bianca Belair? No,
1: uh, blonde haired.
2: Uh, Charlotte Flair.
1: Yeah, Charlotte Flair.
2: Okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Ric Flair's daughter, right?
2: Yep, Ric Flair's daughter. Look at you! Look at you knowing <laughs> that. I'm shocked you know that. Look at you,
1: dude. I w- I've watched like three of them, and I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I guess now Charlotte's my favorite fighter there you go whatever
2: what are you talking about yeah exactly what it was i just think it's hilarious i just i love the the like someone sent me a uh a little clip today was hilarious. Like Roman Reigns is like WWE's biggest star. And they clipped it to where like he was doing an announcement. And he gets interrupted and they put on Connor's music and like Connor coming out. is like a joke. I was like, this is hilarious. I was like, that's pretty funny. I was like, okay, that's legitimately like pretty funny. Uh But yeah, you're right. The day, the day to day stuff ain't nothing, ain't nothing changing. You know what? If it does open up
1: a lot of doors for fighters to go into pro wrestling, I think that's a cool thing. You know, I think like, Connor Pro Wrestling, I think, would be pretty fucking amazing, to be honest. (laughs) Like, I think he would do uh, amazing at it. Fighters uh, or wrestlers coming into fighting, probably not going to be so good for him. We've seen that with CM Punk, right? (laughs) And, uh, but you know, you know know who
2: could be, though? A guy I interviewed a few weeks ago who absolutely has the intention of fighting and he's currently in WWE. 2020 Olympic gold medalist Gable Stevenson, Gable Stevenson Yeah, now he's yeah, well. he's in WWE. He's in WWE, and he's he's going to be making his debut soon. But he wants to fight. Like he's and he's 22 years old, so he's like not even like. But he wants to. He told me flat out, I plan on fighting. He's already training. He's training down at uh, Kill Cliff in, in Florida, uh, down yeah. with the team down there. So he's already training, learning a little bit under Henry Hoofd. Uh, he wants to fight. Like now that that potential crossover is fun because he is under contract to WWE, but I bet that would make it easier now for him to just like yeah. get permission to go fight for UFC at the same time. Now, I know they did it with Brock Lesnar, of course. Brock Lesnar did it, but that was kind of a, a special case. But it would be like, that's one, and that's a legitimate dude. Like I don't know. He has to learn how to fight, but I'm saying, like, that is an Olympic freaking gold medalist in heavyweight wrestling. And I've said since day one, Gable Steveson decides to do MMA. He's already the best prospect we've ever seen just because that dude's an athletic freak. So there's one. Like, there's one that could do it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, I, I was going to add that in. Athletic freak. Uh, a, a complete athletic freak, gold medalist. I mean, this guy just, yeah, he's gonna come in. I don't know anybody. I mean, I guess you probably fight a heavyweight, right? So he's gonna have to deal with John Jones, though. <laughs> you know, that's that's a tall order.
2: There's a, but I tell you what, though, what I love about wrestling, and and I say this because that's the confidence I had when Bo Nickel came in. Like, there's certain wrestlers who can come in on day one, and they're gonna be a problem. For a lot of fighters, now, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying. Listen, I I said it on a podcast, and people lost their minds that I said I think Bo Nickel would be Israel Adesanya today. Now maybe I went a little far on that, but I'm just talking about the faith I have in Bo Nickel's talent. But what I will say is that you know, listen, you, the reality is the best wrestlers in the world are not going to come in and beat the best guys in the world. Day one, they're absolutely not. And they may never, that's just the reality, but they will come in just based on wrestling skills alone. They can compete in a way that other up and comers can't like they can't, they can do things at one 0 2 and O three. that know, most, the average MMA fighter cannot guys who came up and I'm not like digging on jujitsu or Taekwondo or any other martial art, but you and I know wrestling just gives you a different base. Now you have to develop the other skills to become a truly good fighter. Look at Ben Askren, never really developed anything else. And, you know, when he got to the UFC, he got starched by Horry Masvidal, He got tapped out by Damian Maya. Like you have to develop those other skills, but you do have a, I mean, Ben Askren got pretty damn far just, just being a wrestler. Like he didn't really ever I mean, have to develop much else. And he became a champion in Bellator.
1: And to be fair, like Ben Askren's not a crazy athlete. Like he's, he's a crazy good wrestler. His body is built for wrestling. And you know he's—we all know he was—you know—funky style of wrestling. Like, that's what he promotes and everything. Um, guys like Bo Nickel are not like that. Like, like Bo is an athletic freak. You know, like Gable Stevenson's an athletic freak. That you know they—they they have an X factor. You know, not just with the wrestling, but with the athleticism that adds a an entire another layer. That like, there's a reason why they're Olympic champions. You know, there's a technique. There's the grind they got put in. And then, you know, you have to have a level of athleticism above and beyond uh, uh, so many other sports. And when they bring that into MMA, it's just different. And, you know, uh, we were uh, were just talking about before the podcast, you know, I wrestled with some guys today that, you know, all American levels and, uh, you know, basically Olympic level guys, you know, and I'm like people just don't understand how hard that is to deal with, like the the amount of um of things, the 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 amount of opportunities that they have to put you in bad positions constantly. And and also like wrestling has is different than jujitsu and boxing, kickboxing where especially the guys that come from America that do the folk style where the pace is just ridiculous. You know, a lot of these uh f- uh freestyle like Russians and um you know, Cubans and things like that. I mean, they're athletic freaks, don't get me wrong. But they're they're not used to that kind of pace that the Americans put on, which is, you know, why the Americans are doing um, so great internationally, right? That's part of their game plan is is the pace. And that folk style wrestling builds that pace that these – like, you, you can't – again, if you're, you, you might stop one takedown. You might stop two. But, you know, you see guys – and go in there and you know they're shooting three four times like eventually they're going to get it and you're going to be in a bad spot
2: yeah if you if you had it to do all over again and you're like 19 years old do you wish you had gone into wrestling before And like do is that like one thing you wish you had done before fighting like if you had that skill set would you wish you had you wish you had done that
1: i do in some respects um you know i cert- I i doubt that i would be the level of striker that I am Muay Thai when that, and, um, you know, so in, in some ways I do, but in some ways I'm like, I also, my passion is Muay Thai. Like, that's what I love. Like I love the sport of Muay Thai more than any other sport on this planet. Um, so, you know, maybe, um, you know, I, but I do wish that I had that wrestling base. I wish that I would have, um, pursued it harder and, and tried to learn better. Uh, but also wouldn't be who I am today. So uh, regret is probably the wrong word for it.
2: Yeah, totally understand. Totally understand. Speaking of Muay Thai and striking and kickboxing, uh, which is your wheelhouse, and Adorian Price is in town, of course, incredible Muay Thai stylist and coach in his own right. This weekend, we get the rematch. The two, maybe two of the highest level kickboxers, strikers, we've seen in mixed martial arts. Alex Pereira running it back with Israel Adesanya. It's funny, when we broke down this fight on the podcast the first time, we both leaned towards Alex Pereira. We talked about all the ways that he had to win. He kind of had Adesanya's number three, you know, two knockouts or two wins in kickboxing and knockout in the second one that's just, you know, all-time highlight. The first fight in MMA, Israel's doing well. Uh, nearly has him hurt real bad in the end of the first round, then takes over, wins rounds two, three, and four. looks like he's on his way, cruising to victory. And then out of nowhere, Pereira just catches him, clips him, puts him against the cage, and just knocks him down, knocks him out, and takes the title. Uh, Incredible performance. We're coming up on the rematch. Um, I know you get excited for a lot of fights, but I feel like this is one that's like, this is like the Matt Brown wheelhouse.
1: 100 percent it's so funny you said it because like with all this news about the wwe ufc merger with endeavor like i feel like we haven't even hardly heard about this fight uh, nearly as much as we should man this is I, again we've already seen them fight once in mma we've seen them fight twice in kickboxing if you watched it and, you know this is just the highest level kickboxing muay thai that you're going to see in mma i think and It it really gets me excited to watch this fight. I might even stay up and watch it this time. Usually, I watch it on Sunday morning because I don't like staying up till one in the morning. But I might have to stay up and watch this one. I don't know, man.
2: (laughs) It's such a good matchup, and uh, there's still the the interesting thing is they fought three times, but I still feel like there's a like there's still a lot of unknowns because. You know, we actually got to see Adesanya use his grappling a little bit in their last fight, which we normally don't see Adesanya use his grappling unless it's anti-grappling. Like, he'll stop takedowns and things like that. We generally don't see him going for takedowns and working on top control and things like that. And then, you know, we saw a guy who is, I mean, I don't think it's, I would say arguably, I don't think it's really arguably, I think it's a guy who is a more elite kickboxer. I think that's fair to say, right, With Pereira? Like, he's a more elite kickboxer than Adesanya. And and in terms of the dangers he brings in there, I mean, he just brings a hammer, a sledgehammer for a right hand. And I'd like say more
1: that's the, he's more accomplished.
2: Yeah. More accomplished. There you go. More accomplished and dangerous at all times. We saw that he was down and still, you know, came back in that fifth round. So, it's weird. We've seen these guys fight three times, twice in kickboxing, once in MMA, but I still feel like there's a lot of unknowns. Like I still like I still don't think we know who Alex Prairie is as a fighter. I mean, he's he's got one of the most unique like one of the most unique journeys to becoming UFC champion ever because in any other universe, Matt, you and I know, and in any other universe, he wouldn't have fought Adesanya in like his fourth UFC fight. He would right. have had to go like four or five more to get there. But because he had the history and because Israel kind of already cleaned out the division, he got the shot. And guess what? He made the most of it. But we like reality wise, we don't know who Alex Pereira is. Like we really don't like, we don't know what kind of a fighter he's truly going to be like, what happens when he faces now, granted, there's not a ton of high level wrestlers at 185 right now, but like what happens when he gets a guy on top of him and he can't get him off, what happens, you know, in, in different league, like, there's so many situations we've just not seen him in. So like, I still feel like there's a lot of unknowns in this fight.
1: Yeah. I guess there's a lot of unknowns about how Alex is going to handle uh the uh, different types of opponents, but we know how he's going to handle Israel Adesanya, right? Like that's the one thing he's like, like we, we do, kind of know how this fight's going to play out. We don't know how it's going to end, but we know what it's going to look like, right? Like we know what this fight is going. Like we know this story already. It's just a matter of, um, you know, can Adesanya finish him? Yeah, but twice now he's rocked him and got and Alex got saved by the bell. So can Adesanya finish him? And can Adesanya avoid that big shot for five rounds? But that, right, that, those are the only things that we don't know. But we know what, how this fight's going to look. Like, like, is going to come forward. He's going to be looking for that big shot. is probably going to outpoint him until Alex lands that big shot, right? I think that's <sighs> the way this fight has went three times now.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you, because generally speaking, when I talk to the fighters, and I, I haven't had the chance to talk to Israel Adesanya in probably – a year and a half at least he didn't do a lot of interviews anymore and that's fine he didn't have to um but i never talk to fighters about strategy because i think it's kind of stupid like tell me what you're going to do in the fight like you know what i mean and i know some fighters don't really approach it with like a you know point by point strategy they have a general idea of what they want to do and they kind of adapt on the fly i understand that part of it too but matt you're you are a fighter and you do understand the sport better than anybody i know and you come from this world. You come from Muay Thai and kickboxing. Like you just said that's your favorite thing. And so like when you look at Adesanya Prayer, you know these fighters, and I know you studied them uh, just from kickboxing going into MMA. So if you're Israel Adesanya, you're his coach, you're Eugene Behrman, or you're just sitting here giving advice, What what is Israel, like in your estimation, what is the game plan? What is the strategy for Israel Adesanya to finally kind of conquer this demon? Because he's come close, but – Close isn't close is great, but it didn't win him. Like he ultimately got knocked out twice. Like he came close to for the second rematch in the in the kickboxing, got knocked out. Came real close in the fight in the UFC, and still got knocked out. So we can't sit here and say he's just got to do the same exact thing except finish this time because that hasn't worked. You know what I mean? So what what is the like, if you're his coach, Matt? What is the key to victory for Adesanya to finally get over that hump and finally get past? uh finally get past uh alice prayer this time boy
1: man that is a great question and that's a a complicated question to answer too because again both times maybe all three times like israel did the right things he just got caught so how do you say like how do you uh how is your strategy like don't get caught (laughs) you know (laughs) uh, so It's really, I think it's going to come down to like, can, you know, we talk about can Adesanya just not get caught? He has to be mentally sharp and on point for five rounds. You know, that's really what it's going to come down to. I think it's going to come down, you know, I I wouldn't change up a whole lot, honestly. Like, there's not, there's just not a whole lot to change up. And he's been kickboxing a long time. He knows his style, he knows what he's capable of. Um, He, you know, he's, At this point in his career, there's just not a lot that you you can change up. You can teach an old dog new tricks, but, you know, you're not going to add new layers that Alex hasn't seen yet, right? Like, he's fought him three times now. So, like, if I were Adesanya's camp, I would be focusing on forgetting about those first two fights and performing mentally the best you can, or first three fights, and performing mentally the best you can this night. And that's where I'd put. All of my focus, right? Like he, he's got to somehow forget that those first three fights happen, and he's got to go out there and be himself, have fun doing it, and stay mentally sharp for five fucking rounds, man. Is there? I wish I had a. I, I wish I had a deeper answer, you know, like more like like yeah, lay more leg kicks or you uh-huh. know some switches or more something, but I like I don't see that in there. You know, well, like it's, uh, I,
2: I, it's not like it's not like Adesanya has just got like he just didn't do something like it's not like he didn't throw enough leg kicks. Like you said, it's not like he didn't go in there and just stop throwing his jab. He's won multiple rounds. He yeah. just he like. So this is the question I have, Matt, because I think there is a real thing here. I've said this. Now, I'm I'm kind of burying the lead here of my pick for this fight because I said this, I think, months ago when the fight got announced. I said, I'm I'm picking out Asanya to win this fight. It's almost like I can't believe he's not going to finally get over the hump. But before we get to our picks, I believe there are certain situations in sports. And I'm not going to say fighting is the best example because typically in fighting we don't see, you know, trilogies and, and, and four time fights unless there's been an even number. Like, you know, you win one, they win one, you win one, they, you know, they rematch. You generally don't see someone win three fights and there's a fourth fight. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't generally happen. It has happened, obviously. Rampage and Vanderlei did it a couple times, things like that. But it's rare that if you lose I, yeah, a couple of Yeah, if you lose a couple of times, generally you're not gonna get a third fight, right? Or if you lose three times, you're definitely not getting a fourth. Is there something to be said, the reality of this situation that Pereira is just that monster in the closet. That 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 guy that it just has his number in some way, shape, or form. And you and I know this is one thing we do know. If you're mentally beaten, and I don't think Adesanya's mentally beaten. I'm just saying, like, if you are mentally beaten or you can't get over that mental hump, then it's really hard to transform that into the physical part of the fight. So is there is there a possibility that Pereira is just the monster that Adesanya just somehow cannot conquer. Is that a reality we could be looking at here?
1: Well, we're about to find out Saturday, Uh, but I don't think that that is the case. And I don't, and it's very difficult. Again, um, while you were talking, I mentioned uh, Pac-Man Marquez, right? I think Pac-Man beat him the first three times. And then Marquez finally got him back and knocked him out. Right. Uh, You know, so, you know, it's, not common, but it seemed. And I think everybody would have thought the same thing. Like, like Pac-Man is just, you know, the monster in Marquez's closet. And then Marquez come out and proved everybody wrong. And, you know, I had Marquez winning um, at least one of those, uh, first three fights. But anyway, and, and you spoke to it uh, perfectly. when I was talking about before, like his strategy, he, there's just not a lot that he's going to be able to change up. Um, because you know, I don't think Alex Prayer is that monster in his closet. Um, it's all about the mental. Like the biggest, and I think Adesanya can do it mentally. But the biggest fear is that you know maybe he gets tagged or something, and those other fights that you start having flashbacks, or you know that that thought of. You know, Alex Pereira is that guy to me, you know, kind of come through his head. Like, he's got to be mentally sharp. He gets tagged. He's got to keep fighting on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to is the mental. Because I, I think, Adesanya, you know, we're about to get to the picks in a minute. And I'm, I'll, I'll spit mine out now. Like, I'm picking Adesanya. I think that he has the capability to do it. It is very, very difficult to beat someone at this level four times in a row. Um I, I think it's Adesanya's time. I think it's gonna make a a gigantic trilogy match. You know, I think that's gonna set up for you know, unfortunately for the rest of the division, they're gonna be held up and it's gonna be an awesome, gigantic trilogy.
2: Well, the good thing is right now we don't really have a, a guy in line. You know what I mean? Like there's no like you could argue Robert Whitaker If Pereira wins, but the reality is, is that he's fought Adesanya twice and lost. Um, There's nobody else really in line right now. So if they're gonna do it, you know, it's really actually kind of a good time for it to happen. That's how Pereira got the title shot in the first place because no one was really knocking on the door for Adesanya at that point. So yeah, it's a weird one. Like I wish I had a great excuse as to why I'm picking Israel Adesanya. I just think that. I have a heart like listen, this is a very this is a very high level this is a very low level example of what I'm talking about, but like I understand the mentality if you're in a training camp and 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 you can speak to this again better than I can Matt, but if you're in a training camp and you're fighting a wrestler and you train your wrestling and you work your wrestling and you work with high level guys and you just I mean you kick ass wrestling for nine weeks and you feel on top of the world. And then you go in the fight, you get taken down four times in a row. It can mentally mess with you. Like, you're like, God, like, I did everything right, and I'm still not able to do what I want to do in this fight. Like, I understand that's a real mental barrier that fighters have to break through, right? And so you wonder, like, if he's beating Pereira, and Pereira cleps him, like, at the end of, like, the third round and knocks him down, he's like, holy shit, here we go again. Yeah. You wonder, can he— but, I have enough faith in knowing that Adesanya has won out of you know I don't know how many minutes they've been in the in the ring or cage together 20, 30, whatever minutes total it's been Adesanya has won I would say at the very minimum a majority of those minutes I'm not saying like he's you know it's been like all Adesanya in one minute from Pereira but like I would say if they if they fought thirty minutes Adesanya's probably won twenty of those minutes right like that's I think that's fair that to say. Fair. Um I can't believe as high level and as good of a fighter as Israel Adesanya is that he can't get over that hump. I just refuse to believe it. I refuse to believe that he can't close the the chapter on this one this weekend. Now, he may have to do it again, and then maybe it'll all come back to haunt him again in, in in a third rematch in the UFC or a fifth fight overall. But I just refuse to believe that a guy as good as Israel Adesanya can't figure it out. Like, he can't figure out where it's gone wrong, and what he needs to do just slightly different because you said we both said it he's not done he's not made dramatic he's not made dramatic mistakes little things have caught him and he got caught you when you're dealing with a freaking hammer like Alex Pereira you're gonna get like you can't make those mistakes I just refuse to believe a guy as good as Israel Adesanya can't get over that hump and maybe again maybe I'm disillusioned myself that I'm like this guy can't do it again uh but I just I have believed that Adesanya is this guy. I wish I could give you like you were talking about like I, I asked you for a strategy. I wish I could give you like a really good compelling reason other than I just can't believe he's going to lose this guy for a fourth time. Yeah, a little bit,
1: just a little bit of a gut feeling there. And you know, I guess if we do talk about the mistakes, so it's not so much a strategy. It's like I think the biggest mistake that Adesanya made in that first fight or uh, well first MMA fight was he allowed Alex to back him up to the cage a lot and he kind of got stuck there. And finally Alex was able to land a left hook as I think it was a left hook, right. That as, as Izzy was, uh, you know, kind of locked in against the cage a little bit. So I guess if there is a part of strategy that I would, um, add, you know, put in there that Izzy, that I would suggest as a coach Bearman, or as, a, as Izzy's coach to do would be, you know, you can't allow Alex to just press forward and push you against the cage and fight from right there. Like, you need to take the center. Um, you need to maybe even try to push Alex back a little bit. You know, you need to get in his face a little bit. You need to, uh, which isn't really Izzy's style. You know, he is more of a outside guy. Um, but you know, that seems to be the sort of bane of his existence, right? It, with Alex Pereira's, you know, backing up against that cage. And we've seen it the, the whole fight, the last fight, he kept backing up against the cage and he got away with it for four rounds, but not for five. So, you know, you know, if, if he just, if he gets backed up against the cage in the fight, I'm not going to be like, Oh, this is the end right here. This is it. But if it's consistent over and over, you're going to start looking at the fight and questioning whether Izzy can keep that up.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was, we talked about that with the first one backing up against the cage was like the worst thing you can do against Pereira, And he did it consistently. And as you said, he got away with it over and over again, but you can't do it. guy with against, against a guy like that who only needs one, he just needs you to make one mental mistake. He needs you to make one error and he will put your lights out. That's how dangerous that guy is. Um, and I listen, I made these last like 6 months or whatever it is or 5 months or whatever it's been since they fought. You know, I know Pereira's been in the lab working with uh working with Gilbert Teixeira, you know, you saw some of the photos, dude looks like a freaking heavyweight, he's massive. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you figure obviously he's going to work on those things that that went wrong for him because he was losing. He's losing the majority of that fight and he and he had to come back and win. Like I'm sure he's working on his takedown defense and working on his grappling and little things like that, but Again, when you, it seems like this guy just knows how to strike lightning over and over and over again against this guy. I just, again, I refuse to believe he could do it four times. I just refuse to believe that a guy as good as Israel there a lot of signs you can lose to anybody. Four times. Now that being said, Matt, we're both we both said we're picking out Asanya to win. I don't think he'll knock him out. I think it's probably going to be a decision. I don't I don't know that I would pick him to beat to knock out Prayer, although he did come close uh, in a couple of those fights, in the in the rematch and kickboxing, and obviously in the uh, in the fight in the UFC. This is always a hard question to answer, but I always have to ask it whenever we're talking about. A guy who's been around and really established his legacy, and it feels like, you know, there's a bit of a ticking clock on how much time they have left in their career. Like, I don't think it's unfair to say that Adesanya probably doesn't have 10 years left or even five years, maybe. He's in his mid 30s, probably got a boatload of money. He's cleared out the division. If he beats Pereira and beats him again, like, I'm not saying he's going to retire. I'm just saying, like, you know, he would have accomplished a lot. But a loss, that's a different mentality. Now, I'll be honest. When Kamar Usman lost to Leon Edwards the second time, I thought in the back of my head that might be it for Usman. Not because I didn't think Usman was good, but I just was like, "What? I don't, I don't see Usman being you really excited to come back and fight." You know, uh, I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up but this stuff up here. I don't I don't I just couldn't see him getting like super excited to fight uh Neil Magney in like uh you know a co-main event of a of a fight night card. Like, you know what I mean? I just I just it doesn't strike me as like what he'd want to do. Now, he proved me wrong because right after the fight he said, I'm gonna keep going, I'll get back here, you know, we'll see each other again, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Cool. I, I honestly didn't see that coming. So I admit I have a little bit of a question with Adesanya. Like, if he loses here, if he does somehow, you know um, fall short or uh, have the you know lightning strike for the fourth time? Is there a chance that, uh, that that you know that's it for Adesanya? I don't know. I know it's a hard question to answer because we're both picking Adesanya, but I think it's legitimately curious because man, it's like if you can't get that if you can't get that that monkey off your back, so to speak, uh, does Adesanya want to suddenly say you know what I'll go fight uh, you know Apollo Costa again or do I'll fight Hamzat. You know, like is that really the world he wants to live in?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard to say where his mind is. I'm sure right now, he's not even thinking about it. He's at least I hope so. You know, mentally, if he is thinking about that, then that's going to be a big problem for him. You know, he needs to be thinking about 100%. Alex prayer. I'm guessing that's where his mind is. His mind is probably, you know, all systems go on Alex prayer. Like there's, there can't be anything else on his mind. Like this is his legacy here he has to be Alex Pereira for his legacy. Like that's that important. Like this is what changes his entire legacy altogether, right? This single fight. And this is probably his last chance at it. You know, if, if like you said, if Pereira beats him, you know, I mean, you know, maybe he could work his way back to the top, but you know, to he's working his way back to a, a third fight against the guy who beat him twice. You know, <laughs> like that's a, I feel like that's a tough call for the uh, promoters to put together, you know. And, you know, and that's assuming Alex keeps his title too, you know. Maybe they could both end up losing and then maybe fight again. But, uh, you know, to me, this is probably th- – this is his legacy right here on the line this weekend and, uh, you know, where he goes from there. Um, hopefully he's not even looking at Sunday right now and thinking about it. Hopefully, this is the last day that matters to him. A Saturday,
2: yeah. And we have to, and listen. We'd love to sit here and just say that another loss to prayer wouldn't really matter because he's already established himself, and he's, you know, maybe the second greatest middleweight of all time behind Anderson Silva. We can say all those kind of things, and and, and none of those things are wrong, right? Like none of those things are wrong. But we can't deny what a third, what a fourth, a third, a fourth, fourth overall loss and a second loss in MMA to Alice Prayer would do. Like, we can't just say it doesn't matter because it does. Like, yeah, he was great. He's all time. He's this, he's that. But Alice Prayer had his number. That's always going to come up. Like, we can't, you know, that's going to happen. And and when you think about the all time greats in the sport, they, you know, the majority of them, not everybody, but the majority of them, when you talk about the all time greats, they vanquish their greatest competitor. Like, Anderson Silva beat Chelsea on twice. You know what I mean? Like he did. Like he lost four rounds to Chelsea, but then he came back and submitted him around five. And then the rematch, he knocked him out. Um, that's typically how you're remembered, right? Like you're remembered by your greatest rivalries. Like you are. Now, Adesanya has scoreboard over Robert Whitaker, who was an incredible middleweight. And he has scoreboard over Paulo Costa, who was the other guy at that point in the career, at that point in his career. But that monster in the closet, as we just said, you know, Alex Prayer, if he ends up losing to Prayer again a fourth time, we can't say it does, so I like what you're saying, like, on the positive side, like, he has to know that his legacy is a bit on the line here, like, he has to know that like, he'll be remembered from what happens in this fight, whether it's right or wrong, whether and, and I'm, maybe it is wrong, we are all kind of prisoners of the moment in the sport, right, but um, we can't ignore that, you know, what a what a loss would do, and we also know what a win would do, a win would just kind of Vanquish all those demons, right? Like he's like come so close that if he just goes out there and beats him once, we're kind of like, see, see, he he had his number, he just couldn't quite close the deal. Now he did close the deal, but the flip side I of think, that is if he if he loses, it's it's like a whole other animal.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key right there. Like when when he beats other guys like Marvin Vittori or Derek Brunson or uh, other guys that got shot, Robert Whittaker, you know, it, it's. It's like okay, you know he's great. We know it, and there it is. He he won again. When you come back and beat a guy that, as we're describing, is the monster in the closet, and that is a lot of people. I'm sure see him as the monster in the closet, and the guy that's going to beat Adesanya again, and the one guy that that, that is better Adesanya than Adesanya's specialty, <laughs> right? It's just knocking him out every time. And uh, so a win takes him so far here, right? Like he overcomes so much uh, so much doubt and so much uh, hate, or I don't know if it's hate, but, you know, so much questions around him. He overcomes all these things, and I think that makes his legacy, you know, just skyrocket. Whereas if he loses again, then it kind of – all those people are kind of proven. Right. And I, I think that's the big difference maker here.
2: It's kind of right? do or it's die, like, right? Like it's kind of do or die do in this moment.
1: Done. I think, you know, sort of the example of like, like GSP, you know, he lost to Matt Sarah and I don't think anyone was sitting around saying like, "Ah, oh, Matt Sarah is that monster in the closet. That's, you know, GSP is never going to beat. Right. Like he came back, he beat him handedly and that was kind of what was expected. Right. Or, Um, maybe when it happened with Matt Hughes, when he lost to him, that might've been the guy originally, but that was early on in GSP's career. Adesanya's is established, has a legacy. Like, like you said, he's the second greatest middleweight. This is what is going to define his career. This is what everybody's going to ultimately remember. He came back from losing to a guy that he'd lost to twice in kickboxing, got knocked out from and beat that guy. Or, There, You know, Adesanya is so great, but there's that one guy that he just couldn't beat. And then I think it's going to depend, too. Like, I don't think any of us are expecting, you know, with all due respect to Alex Pereira, I don't think any of us are expecting him to be a long-reigning champion like Adesanya was, right? Like, you know, maybe he'll prove us all wrong and answer those questions about his grappling. But, you know, we're all assuming that someone's going to come in Within you know two or three title defenses, and they're gonna game plan to take him down. like like if Derek Brunson was in there, like I think you know Derek would probably look to take him down and pound him out and he would probably accomplish that. I think is just the it's not me saying that. I think that's just the um uh, the standard belief around him, right? so if if he loses to prayer and then prayer goes on and you know only has one or two title defenses or you know, maybe less. That looks even worse for his legacy, and maybe, maybe I'm, you know, looking a little too deeply into it. But uh, that's just kind of how I feel about it.
2: Yeah. Two words for you, Matt Hamzat Shemaya. I'm just saying he's coming the middleweight. That's the I think that's probably the last guy yeah. uh, Alex Prayer wants to see standing across from him at uh, at 185 pounds. We'll see how that goes. Um
0: And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: Talking about stakes, the co-main event, Gilbert Burns against Jorge Masvidal, this is another one where I kind of feel like it's like make or break for Jorge Masvidal because obviously he's lost three in a row. There's no shame in losing to Kamara Usman, and and he lost to Colby Covington. It is what it is. It was a a big rivalry fight, but he lost. Even even Masvidal said publicly, like, you know, if I lose this one, that might be it. Like, that might be it for me. He's 38, you know. He's got other businesses and other things he's got going on, and if he loses to Gilbert Burns, he's probably never going to get near a title shot. On the flip side, though, even though Colby Covington's been promised a title shot, we know the history between Masvidal and Leon Edwards. If Masvidal can go out there and pull a rabbit out of the hat and and scorch go scorched earth on Gilbert Burns and get a knockout, get a big win. I don't care how many promises Dana White has made to Colby Covington. I'd be I have a hard time believing they wouldn't at least consider Masvidal Edwards in in London because that would be a massive event. And there's so much bad blood there; it would be a huge pay per view and. Masvidal is one of like what five people who can sell pay per views that has nothing to do with titles. Like, he doesn't need a title on the line to sell pay per views. Like, he is just a star. Um, this is this to me is like this is I weirdly I would say this one even without a title on the line. I feel like this one even has maybe higher stakes than the main event because you know basically Masvidal has a chance to kind of erase his last three losses and maybe get a title fight or he loses four in a row. And there's a good I mean, we talk about retirement. He's openly acknowledging this could be it. It's like this literally could be the moment where he wins. He gets Leon Edwards in the title fight. He loses. That's it. Masvidal walks away.
1: Is it uh, Gilbert coming off a loss too? Or no, two? Gilbert
2: Gilbert beat uh, Neil Magny. He, he tapped out Neil oh. in January. And then that was right after the Hamzat fight where he had the war with Hamzat. So that was – yeah.
1: Uh, and Usman before that right
2: he won. He, he lost to Usman he beat Wonderboy he lost to Hamza and he beat Neil Magny so he's two and two okay. he has wins over Wonderboy and Neil Magny and he has the loss to Usman and the loss to But
1: it feels like a not a make or break but a very very big fight for his career also right like where you know if he doesn't win this fight he's kind of like where do I go from here you know he's gonna keep fighting down for the rest of his career you know um and, you know, everybody's different. I mean, like I had a title contender fight, like, I don't know, like 10 years ago now, you know, I'm still fighting, you know, and, you know, not like top 10 or anything, you know, so everybody's a little different. And Gilbert Burns is a competitor for sure. He loves to compete. So You know, maybe it's not a, not like that for him. Maybe, I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, but with Masvidal, you know, th- when you openly acknowledge that beforehand and with the amount of businesses that he has going on and everything, I think it, it makes it for a tough mental situation for him. So, um, but, it, you know, I also think, you know, he's a, I mean, his, his nickname, he's game bred. you know, he's a born fighter and he's going to go out there and we, we basically, I think we know the, the story of this fight, right? Like George Masvidal is going to, you know, it's almost a throwback. Masvidal is going to look to strike. He's going to look probably uh is, is probably a, a much better striker than Gilbert. I think is probably a, jab him and point him uh, to a victory or Gilbert's going to look for a a lot of takedowns and he'll get it and get a victory. You know, it's going to be one or the other. So that's kind of the way I'm seeing this fight right now. I don't know. Do you, do you see any different?
2: only slightly in this I think that I think Gilbert knows that there's more danger in standing and trading with Masvidal of course because that's Masvidal's wheelhouse but I think what we saw with Gilbert and Hamza is he can he can go toe to toe I mean he he dropped Usman in their fight like he dropped him with a he dropped him with a punch in their fight um, he didn't really stand toe to toe with, with Wonderboy but that's a little different animal the way Wonderboy fights Wonderboy is so long and rangy and uh, just we saw what Wonderboy did to Kevin Holland like you just can't can't play that game with Wonderboy. If you play the distance game with Wonderboy, he's going to make you pay. You fought Wonderboy. You know what that guy's like, getting ready for – he's got such a weird, funky style that it's harder to compare him to other strikers. And M- Wonderboy picked apart Masvidal. Let's not forget about that. When they fought, it was a 30-27, just absolute one-sided fight. Um so I don't think there's any shame in going out there and going for takedowns against a guy like Wonderboy, but I think Gilbert can stand to a certain extent with Mazadol Like, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and just trade punch for punch and see which one of them's left standing because that's playing with dynamite. That's just basically inviting the possibility of an upset when you have one part of your skill set that seems so clearly better than the other guy, meaning your jiu-jitsu and your ground game is better than Mazadol's but uh, I think Gilbert can stand with him and can trade with him to a certain extent. As long as he doesn't get crazy and get wild and go out there and just suddenly throw caution to the wind and just trade punches uh like Darren Till did and it cost Darren Till and obviously what he did to Ben Askren. Um, but yeah, I think Gilbert could go that route. And and listen, here's where you talk about Gilbert. He's about, you know, this is a big fight. This is absolutely a huge fight for Gilbert. I agree. Here's why I also say it's a big fight for Gilbert. He's a massive favorite. He's like a four-to-one favorite. Yeah. yeah, he's like a four to one favorite over Massal. Him losing would could uh. be considered a massive upset. So yeah, like, I think he knows he needs to go out there and do what people expect him to do. Like, he needs to go out there and, and dominate Masvidal. Uh, and, and and you know, does he jump over Colby Covington to get a title shot? Probably not. But he puts himself in a position to fight, you know, probably Bilal Muhammad. It was probably the fight that would end up happening at that point. And then that is a number one contenders fight. So there's a lot on the line for both guys. I just think Moore's on the line for Masvidal because, again, he's I mean, it's so polar opposites. Either wins and has the potential to get a title shot, his his third opportunity to become a UFC champion, maybe the last time ever, or he retires. Like there's a real world where Masvidal loses and he just hangs up the gloves. So you could the stakes could not get any higher for Masvidal.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I do think that Gilbert can stand and trade with Masvidal, but I think kind of what my point really is is like, um, you know, I really I don't think Masvidal is going to knock him out. I mean, it's possible hundred percent, right? Like he's a great striker and has enough knockout power. But if we look at the majority of Masvidal's career, like he's more of a, a point guy, right? Like he, the majority of his career, like he's outpointing guys on the feet. And that's where I think the, where, where I think he would win. Like right? um, Gilbert has enough power and uh, a ballsy enough style of, boxing and, and kickboxing that uh Masvidal, I don't think is gonna stand and trade with him. And I don't think it's in his best interest because it opens him up for takedowns also. So I get I guess what I'm getting at is like, you know, I think if it stays on the feet, you know, Masvidal has a huge advantage. You know, he he's a better striker than Hamza. He's a better striker um, you know, than most of the division, honestly. I mean, he's a really, really good striker. And if you keep it on the feet with him, you know, whether he knocks you out or not, you know, I I don't really know, but he's going to win that battle. You know, he's going to find your timing. Um, you know, I mean, I think he's a way better striker than Usman too. You know, and Usman knocked him out. So, you know, um, yeah. So anyway, that's all I'm saying is I just think that, you know, Gilbert has to get this fight to the ground um, to win, but, he can use his striking to get it to the ground too. You know, like he's good enough oh, yeah. to strike to work that into the ground game. Like he doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't have to be, you know, the the way old school where he's like literally just putting his head down and running <laughs> into the cage hard as he can, praying that he's able to get you down. Right, praying that it doesn't stay on the feet. You know, it's not that dramatic, but he's, you know, strategy wise, like. You know, I see this as, uh, again, I see this as a fight as Masvidal is going to try to keep it on the feet, move around, jab him, you know, uh, point him out, and it's going to be Gilbert looking to get it to the ground and take control.
2: Yeah, I just, I think, I you know, a lot of ways I judge fights, Matt, is who has more ways to win, and I think Gilbert Burns has more ways to win. You know, Luke, can he just go toe-to-toe in a boxing match with George Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal? Probably not. I agree with you there. Masvidal is the better overall striker, but Burns hits like a truck. You know, he can and he does use his striking very well. And I think, you know, we know and, you know, and and this is how the sport works the threat of the takedown can suddenly make you a more dangerous striker. I think that's what Usman did. With yeah. Usman, because Usman had controlled Masvidal so much in that first fight, taking him down, controlling him against the cage, I think that was in his head a little bit. And then when Masvidal, when Usman comes out there, throws that haymaker, knocks him out, he just didn't see it coming because he was waiting for the takedown. He was waiting exactly. to defend the wrestling. Gilbert exactly. Gilbert has that's that perfect. advantage. Like If Gilbert if Gilbert goes out there and just tries to wrestle, like, immediately Masvidal is going to be in a different posture because he knows he has to defend the takedown. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah. And, and that's exactly where I was saying, like, you know, Musvidal's a better striker than Usman. And I think Usman would probably admit himself, right? If they're in a kickboxing match, yeah. kickboxing, like, Musvidal wins nine out of ten times. And it's that threat of the takedown. So, but I don't I don't think that Gilbert, at, at least, you know, it's at least not in his best interest to try to keep this fight on the feet. You know, he's got to at least threaten the takedown. Uh, regularly, um, and, and Miles is hard to take down too, you know, like, like Gilbert Burns isn't Usman, you know, so you know, I think, um, it's, it's not going to be an easy takedown for him, so he might be forced to stand on the feet some. So I, I find it's a pretty interesting fight, you know, but I, I'm right there with you, you know, on the guy that has more ways to win, and that's it's probably why Gilbert is the favorite, he has more ways to win, right? If it goes to the ground, he has a probably a big advantage, and It stays on the feet, you know. He can at least hang
2: there. Yeah, and I think. Listen, I know. Listen, I understand the stakes, and I and I think that it can't be overstated that Masvidal's the one guy who could probably steal the title shot away from Colby. Which, how sweet would that be for him to go out and get a win and then take the title shot from Colby and go fight Leon Edwards? But I think the reality is, is that. Uh, Like it or not, Masvidal's probably moving towards the end of his career. I mean, he said it openly. This could be his last fight. And he's 38, and he's got all these other things going on. He's got a tequila business, I think. He's got his boxing promotion, which just had a thing. He's got all these other things going on. Um Whereas I, like, talking to Gilbert, and listen, I admit maybe I'm a little bit biased in that just because I've talked to Gilbert so much about it. I know his mentality and how fired up he is and, like, how motivated he is to get back to that title right now. I just feel like maybe they're going in two slightly different directions. And as you said, like, that mentality thing, if he's not fully committed to winning and fully committed to the sport, that can cost you, especially when you're facing a guy as good as Gilbert Burns. So I like Gilbert Burns to win this fight. I think ultimately, like, I think he can catch Masvidal I think he can't catch him in a submission. Um, I don't know exactly how this fight's going to end, but I just... There are guys I could see that you know, Gilbert Burley... Like, dude, listen, I think if Hamzat could have continued cutting weight to welterweight, he could have absolutely become champion. And Gilbert pushed him to the absolute brink. I mean, that was, that was a couple exchanges away from Gilbert winning that fight. And that's a guy who I absolutely would have pegged as a champion. And now that Leon's champion... I like Leon. I think Leon's proved a lot of people wrong, myself included. But do I think the Gilbert Burns could beat him? Absolutely. Gilbert Burns has a style. He could absolutely go out there and beat Leon Edwards. Um, so, yeah, I just think they're in slightly two different worlds. And I think when you combine, you know, Gilbert has more ways to win. Plus, you know, where is Masvidal at right now? I just think it's a bad combination. I think Gilbert wins this fight. And maybe it is Masvidal's final fight.
1: I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm gonna, We're going to agree on this one. Which is a, a seems to be a more common thing as than <laughs> as before. Right. We, we used to always disagree on every fight, and you probably won more than I did, but um, I'm gonna agree with you on this one. And uh but if you've ever noticed, everybody that I pick always loses. So <laughs> take care take all my picks with grain of salt. I'm not James Krause. Don't take don't bet on my picks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to urge you to do the opposite. Like whoever I pick, just go ahead and bet on the other guy.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I, it's funny going back. We always, we always joke about our picks and, and going back all the way to Aldo McGregor. When I picked Connor and you picked Aldo and I still hold that one over oh. your head, but do, Did you see? Did did you see this? We We
1: did do some before that too. That wasn't the first one, Damon.
2: That wasn't the first one, but that was just the one with like the biggest memory, where we were like way on, like we bet money on that one, and I just always like to hold that one over your head. Uh, You know, I still. But did you see? Did you see the weekend? uh, Connor and Aldo getting into it with uh, Aldo. Like they seemed like they were like friendly, and then Connor said like me and Aldo should box, and Aldo like flipped out and said, "Shut your effing mouth!" and you know basically called him all these names. And I was like, "Where did this come from? Like, why is Aldo flipping out on Connor all of a sudden?" I was like, "Jesus, this one came out of from out of nowhere." And uh, and then Connor jokingly he said I was, he said something like, "I was just I was just playing around," and he said, "Me and who the fuck is that guy should fight him and Jeremy Stevens I thought that was hilarious, bringing up one of Connor's greatest all time lines. When he said, "Me and who the fuck." Cause this guy should fight.
1: Dude, Aldo. I love Aldo. You know that like he's been, he's one of my, I don't know, maybe heroes, right? Like uh, I've I watched him for some of the years today, but he needs to stay away from the shit talk. He's not <laughs> like, you should have learned your lesson, bro. you're not beating Connor at the shit talk. <laughs> like, that's a, that's a game that you should not be playing. Forget about it. Connor's not going to box you. Like, just give up on it. Like, it, if you want to fight him, come to MMA. Like is he retired from MMA now? Like is yeah, he he's a-
2: retired. He's just he's just boxing now. He retired from MMA, so he's he's technically still under contract to the UFC. I think he has one more fight left, but they let him go do boxing because he retired. So you know he's going in the Hall of Fame. So like he's done with MMA. So like it was Connor. It was Connor who said me and Aldo should box because you know Aldo's saying you know I'm done fighting MMA. And it's Connor said me and me and you should box. And Aldo flipped out and was just like, always talking shit. And, and, uh, you know, we had a chance to fight again in the UFC and you ran. I was like, where did all this come from? I was like, it seemed like six months ago. These guys were, these guys were kind of buddy, buddy. And now they like hate each other again. I was like, where did this all come from? Can I
1: add something in here? Like, can we stop with the boxing, the (laughs) MMA guys? Like, if you want to do another combat sport, how about you fucking kickbox? Do more. (laughs) I, Like, why they always want to box? Money, you, I guess. Money. Okay. Like, like last weekend, I mean, Aldo and Stevens could have kickbox and made the same amount of money. Why? Why they have to box? I mean, Roy Jones isn't going to kickbox anybody, so <laughs> Anthony had kind of stuck with boxing there. But it's like, dude, why? Why are you got? Why does no one want to kickbox or Boy Thai?
2: Yeah, well, here's where I come. I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to spend much time on this because you know it's it is what it is. But um I think it's easier for MMA guys to transition into boxing because obviously you box on a daily basis as an MMA fighter. But I think we've seen, and this is not a knock on any of the guys out there. I, I've prayed. I've praised Anderson Silva for the skills he's put together as a boxer, but. I think we see the difference in in levels when you see an MMA guy go in and box versus like an actual high level boxer, like the way you slip punches, the way you throw jabs, the way you throw combinations, watching Jeremy Stevens and Jose Aldo on Saturday night looked like an MMA fight with guys who couldn't throw punches, couldn't throw kicks. And I mean, it was so many one punches, like one punch. One punch. One punch. Yeah. One punch. And in boxing, dude, when you watch Loma Ch- And I know I'm talking, listen, I understand. I'm talking about completely different levels when you're talking about like a Loma Chinko or or a Tank Davis or Ryan Garcia or Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence or any of those guys. But I'm just saying that as an example. When you snap off like a five and six punch combination and you're, you know, you're slipping punches. I mean, there's so much more when you watch a high level boxer. Like it is night and day when you watch an MMA guy go over and try to box. Like it's just I'm not saying guys can't get better, but like, dude, I mean, come on. Like it's just a it's a whole other animal, a other sport.
1: Right. I, I don't find it that interesting to, to watch, but I wouldn't mind watching them do Muay Thai. They throw some elbows and Yeah, some that legs.
2: would be now that I'd be into because then you're just, you know, you're 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 taking away the takedown, but you're still throwing yeah. other weapons.
1: Yeah, man, I got to start my own Muay Thai promotion. Figure out a way to make some money on it, so I can get some of these guys doing Muay Thai.
2: Yeah, I That's it's it's always weird. To... What's that?
1: Just got to figure out a way to make some money on it because <laughs> there's just not, not no money in Muay Thai.
2: It's so weird because you would think like people who bitch and moan about wrestling and grappling and MMA, like, oh, I hate the takedowns. I hate when they just get on top of a guy and lay there. Blah blah blah. And then everyone's like, "Well, go watch kickboxing." Guess what? No one in America ever watches kickboxing or t- or Muay Thai. Lion fights tried to get it to go here, and Muay Thai didn't work. Glory's tried it. Uh, K1's tried it over here. I'm saying, like in America, and it's just uh, never gotten over. I don't. I wish I. I wish I could understand why. Because I've watched it and I find it exciting, but it's just never found an audience in the states. Like it finds a huge audience in the Netherlands and Japan and all these other places, but in America. Kickboxing and Muay Thai have never found a home, ever. One
1: seems to be doing a really good job of it, and I think um, the way that they're presenting it, you know, the, the one of the problems, like, specifically with Muay Thai, maybe not as much kickboxing, but specifically with Muay Thai, with the Y crew, um, the music, you know, the traditional arts, the the way they fight is very traditional. There's, you know, tons of things Um that turn people off i think or, or at least may not turn them off but just make them lose interest in and uh one though they're taking away all that they're putting in a cage with four ounce gloves and having these guys go fucking hammer each other man and i think it's amazing what they're doing
2: i freaking love muay thai with four ounce gloves dude i was like you know i'm sure you know joe Natta what? When he first started going to one championship, and he was fighting four ounce gloves, dude. I was like, I was like the biggest but Joe Natawet fan of the planet. Like he was just going out there, just knocking the hell out of people with four ounce gloves on in Muay Thai fights. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like, dude, that innovation and 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 one's got the formula. Obviously, they have the big show coming up here in May with Demetrius Johnson uh, fighting and 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 that card. Mixing the cards. So you're not just going to a Muay Thai card. You're going to a Muay Thai, a kickboxing, a grappling, an MMA card. And people can, that's what I listen. I'll be the first to admit I'm guilty of it too. I didn't really sit down and watch a lot of Muay Thai. But then when one championship started throwing in guys like Joe Nattawatt and the guys in the Muay Thai, I was like, ooh. This is fun because I was already there to watch the MMA fights. I'd watch the Muay Thai fights too. So yeah, like I think that's the key, right? Like you gotta you gotta give people an entryway into it, and not just say, "Hey, tune into this ten fight Muay Thai card." Uh, you know, do what one's doing. Throw on like Demetrius Johnson. You tune in for that. And, oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna throw in freaking Nongo or or you know uh, or or you know one of these guys who are gonna be fighting.
1: Yeah, Rod Tang, John Haggerty, you know these kind of guys, and you know. The Only real Muay Thai you can watch is in Thailand, also, right? And at Lupini Stadium or whatever. And it's hard to even access, too. Like, you got to find a YouTube channel that happens to be showing it. There's a few that show them regularly, but um, and then you got to watch it, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's tough for it to be accessible, but. Um, one, again, I think they're doing a great job. And I mean, some of the stars that they brought over from, you know, the stadiums and the way they promoted them has been great. I mean, Rod Tang is already, you know, halfway legendary, you know, like most, I would say the vast majority of combat sports fans know who Rod Tang is now, right? They know who Nango is. And, um, especially after being Liam Harrison, cause Liam, we all know who Liam Harrison is and, um, so I think they're doing a great job of promoting it. Like you said, mixing it in with the MMA cards is a great idea.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's been a good intro for me. I mean, like I said, as much as I like, I've enjoyed watching. I used to enjoy watching lion fights, but you know, getting me to tune in on a Friday night on HDNet or whatever network it was was—I didn't. I'll admit, I didn't just like. It wasn't like appointment TV, but when you put it on the Same time that Demetrius Johnson is fighting, or that uh, you know, uh, you know, Reiner de Ritter, or whoever the other MMA guys that I enjoy watching in one championship, you put them on over at the same time, or, or uh, um, uh, Christian Lee, or whatever. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I came to watch Christian Lee, but guess what? There's also an amazing Muay Thai fight right before that. Great, I get to watch both. So that's kind of the entry. I think that's a good way to get people interested and want to make them watch it again,
1: yeah. And on top of that, they have really, really good female. Muay Thai fighters, which wasn't even a thing in Thailand. I mean, there was female Muay Thai fighters, but not in Lumpini Stadium. So, you know, promoting these girls, Janet Todd, Stamp Fairtex, you know, um, these kind of girls. I mean, these girls are tremendous fighters. It's it's amazing watching them, and I, I love. I actually enjoy watching. Them. I don't, you know, I don't watch a ton of uh, women's MMA, but the women's Muay Thai I absolutely love.
2: And Janet Todd's an American. There's your entryway if you're an American. She's an amazing fighter.
1: Yeah. The amazing fighter. Yeah.
2: So good stuff Alright so UFC 287 is this week And of course we'll be watching We'll have our thoughts on the uh, the fights coming up next Monday uh, As we get one week closer To Matt Brown's return to action uh, But we'll break down everything See how right or wrong we were Picking Israel out of Sonia and Gilbert Burns To win in the main and co-main uh, Matt obviously you're training hard every day I want people to make sure they support you Leading into this fight with Court McGee So uh, who can people support that are supporting you?
1: Well, of course, they can support me on social media. Um, I don't have a GoFundMe, but you can support me by just following along and, you know, checking out all my sponsors. routine R O T I N E, you know, they make uh, supplements just for you. Uh, precision nutrition is what they call it. Take your blood, take your DNA, and build a supplement, uh, multivitamin primarily just for you. They also have a cortisol test to come out with now. Um, you gotta check these out, Damon. Not even you're not even on the routine program, you know.
2: Uh, I know. I'm sure
1: you have high cortisol levels, right? You get a little s- too stressed out at times. Hundred percent. Yeah. Do you, do you even take a multivitamin?
2: I do. I do take a multivitamin. I do take a multivitamin. But it's just what like do a generic you, what one, you from like do you Whole Foods, from
1: Kroger's, or something.
2: Whole Foods. Yeah. Whole Foods. Or
1: Whole Foods. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you look at all the ingredients and make sure that they're exactly what you need? Have you taken your blood and your DNA to make sure to uh, find out what you are deficient in and what you do need?
2: I have not. Then,
1: Damon, you need some routine <laughs> in your life, buddy.
2: <laughs> See, look at the and selling point
1: right there. Now, on to the next. Uh, what about the Immortal Coffee? Have you been drinking? Oh, uh, you're not a coffee drinker. I always forget. You don't really yeah. fuck the coffee.
2: I'm All not right, well. but I do but I do know people who drink coffee. My girlfriend drinks coffee. She loves coffee.
1: Okay. Well, I want her next week. I want her to come get some mortal coffee at the gym, bring it home, drink a little bit and tell me it's not the best coffee you've ever had.
2: All right, we'll do that. I like that. I got to come up to the gym, anyways. I got to get up there yeah. soon. I always, uh, I always talk about. It. I'm like, dude, you leave your gym's 15 minutes from my house. Of course, you live five minutes from me. We do the podcast over Zoom, so tells you how, tells you how organized we are. That we. We live this close and you know, we, we record over Zoom. It's just easier. Yeah, I got to get up to the gym before the fight. I'm planning on it. Of course, you got the team up there. Uh, Mark Coleman, the legend, uh, leading guys up there. And I know you're working with Lance Palmer. He was up there this week, former PFL champion, uh, multi-time PFL champion, multi-time All-American at Ohio State. So uh, you got a good team getting you ready up there. So I got to stop by the gym and maybe I'll pick up some immortal coffee on I'm there.
1: Well, that answers the question right there. Come get some <laughs> immortal coffee. And then I want to know next week after I have to hear the testimonial from your girlfriend. I guess not from you because you're too pussy to drink coffee. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that thing where like you're too pussy to drink coffee. Maybe I'm the pussy because I need coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to hear her thoughts on it and get the first live testimonial on air.
2: I like it I like it well yeah support the people who support you so go out there and support Matthew Immortal Brown as he gets ready for his fight coming up on May 13th in Charlotte North Carolina and of course we'll be back next week with a a breakdown of everything that unfolded at UFC 287 that takes place on Saturday night so looking forward to the fights and of course we'll break down everything from that event next Monday for Matt Brown I'm Damon Martin thanks so much for tuning in to another week of The Fighter versus The Rider we'll see you next week thanks for tuning in and see you then